Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Post Game. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Let's get another one in. Woo! For a one-nothing shutout victory. Flyers over Red Wings tonight down in South Philly. Charlie O'Connor will be joining the show from the Wells Fargo Center a little later on uh, tonight. But first, we have to talk about what was, I mean... The first 40 minutes of this game were not exactly the most exciting hockey I've ever watched. I don't think anyone would confuse it with that. But the Flyers uh, played pretty well tonight. Uh, Again, they just keep finding ways to win. I wrote down uh, since they opened the Wells Fargo Center. Now, obviously, this doesn't uh, doesn't include the postseason. But I, I know the Flyers have had like a lot of success in Philly against the Red Wings since they opened the new building, what, in 96? Uh, and now I'm trying to find where I, uh, where I wrote it tonight. They are, they came into the game, damn it, I've lost it already. I really should have like played this out. They've only won three times Detroit has in Philly since they've opened the building. Now that's in the regular season. They did not add to that tonight. That just kind of one of those weird things like Detroit has been a good relevant team for pretty much all of that time now obviously you know they swept Philly in the final in 97 so like I guess you can add two wins to that if you want to I'm choosing to only look at the regular season it's just one of those weird things uh that you get like oh yeah Detroit pretty good team every time they come into the into Philly Philly beats them they did again tonight one nothing the final score uh so that's where we have to begin with the man between the pipes, number 33, Samuel Erson, uh, makes his third straight start. Carter Hart still out sick. Uh, we're going to ask Charlie about that a little later because I-, I saw some quotes today uh, that were, you know, he's had he's got something going on and they got it all figured out and he thinks he's he's going to be better off now. But I didn't hear like much 
uh, expansion on that. Obviously, Travis Sanheim also sick, so maybe there's just something going through the locker room. I know at least through the first two periods, I haven't looked at the final time on ice, but I, I bet you it's still pretty even. Um, John Tortorella was really rolling four lines, three D pairs, and just kind of keeping everything pretty evenly distributed, uh, not leaning on anyone too heavily. So I wonder if the team is just like, oh, you know, we've been traveling a lot. It's weird weather. Obviously, this time of year, everything going around. Maybe the whole team's just kind of feeling it a little bit, uh, but their third period effort, especially in the defensive zone, especially those last three minutes when uh, Detroit had their net empty, I thought was really, really strong. Happy with what I saw tonight. But now let's, after all that rambling, let's get back to Samuel Ayrson. Uh, yeah, stopped 34 of 34 shots tonight, which when I saw the final count, I was blown away by simply because like Detroit did not generate much of anything all night uh they had uh they just updated it so 33 of 33 uh he was able to stop tonight both team with 33 shots on net but through the first two periods detroit had 18 shots in the third period they had 15 so they turned it up they were really trying to break that shutout and with the pressure on Airson in his third straight start shuts them out shuts them down made some clutch saves at the end there was a lot of traffic a lot of chances just a lot of chaos going on in front of him kept his composure kept his cool and uh we'll get Charlie's three stars a little bit later I guarantee if I I can't predict tonight because um like Rasmus Ristolainen would be one of my three stars now maybe he makes Charlie's list and surprises me I would be shocked though, uh, but Erson obviously he would be my uh, he would be my number one, you know. And these last three starts, it feels like he's gained, like he's gained confidence and actually gotten stronger as he's played more. Uh, he stopped 19 of 22 in Nashville, uh, the overtime loss and the puck he didn't squeeze. We all know how that went, like, and that's that's a killer, you know. He's starting to get a little bit more time. He had the great month of November. And to just kind of take a loss like that. Now he stood up in front of the, you know, in front of the media and everything. Said, "Hey, this one's on me. I need like absolutely no reason I didn't freeze that, but shit happens." And yeah, I'll take the blame. And since then, you know, he made a twenty-seven. He stopped thirty. He stopped twenty-seven of thirty and two of three in the shootout against the Caps on Thursday. And tonight, thirty-three of thirty-three. Uh, since that rough ending to the Nashville game, that's 61 of 64 for a 953 save percentage. So in case you were wondering uh, what this kid's mental makeup was, I'm not. <laughs> you know, I'm not all that concerned. Uh, and there's this, um, there's this phrase that Scott Van Pelt used to, uh, used to say. I used to watch SVP and Russillo every day because like, I didn't have that much going on like, you know, eight years ago, whatever the hell it was when those two were on uh, ESPN every day. Um, how good is your good? Like, yeah, you know, you might have a clunker in there. Like, you always, like, in Alabama, those uh, random Alabama losses. Like, they just drop one every two years, and it's like, all right, yeah, that stunk, but they've dominated everyone all year. You know, last week they dropped 90. <laughs> like, how good is your good? When you're on your game, what is your ceiling? And it's an interesting conversation with uh, with Ayerson. He's 24 years old. Tonight was start number 21 in his career, and he posted his third career shutout. It took Carter Hart 101 starts to post three regular season shutouts. 
He's got six through 210 career starts. Ayrson is halfway there. He did, he made his NHL debut December 23rd of last year. And that wasn't even a start, I don't believe. I think he came in in relief. Uh, so, like, yes, obviously needs to work on the consistency. He's had a few really bad starts, even, like, statistically, the hockey reference really bad start this year. A start with a save percentage, I think, below 85, 850. Um, and he's had a few of those. Uh, the tough goal he lets up to lose the Nashville game, like I said. But, man, when he's on... The other team doesn't score, and that really says something about what this kid's ceiling can be. Um, this is not to, like, I, I compare the two just to, like, not to bash Carter Hart in any way. Like, Carter Hart has proven himself to be, at the very least, a solid number one NHL goalie. You can win with Carter Hart, not a doubt in my mind. If you put Carter Hart on a cup-contending team, their chances of winning the cup would go up in my mind. Not a doubt. Uh, I do wonder if he has upper best in the league, regular Vezina contender potential. Maybe he's just a solid and solid guy you can win with is like, who wins the cup every year? You know, you need a goalie to play at an elite level, but you don't need an elite goalie. You just kind of need to cross your fingers and fucking get lucky for a couple of weeks in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, and a heart absolutely is going to have a good career, and he's a number one. But just looking at what Urson may be potentially like growing into, uh, I'm very excited to see him get some more time. Uh, obviously, we want to. You, you don't want Carter Hart to be out sick. You don't want him to be dealing with injuries. Or you know, three times this month he's been sick. Like, okay, uh, like, that's that's just kind of tough to deal with. Um, but it creates an opportunity for Samuel Urson and. Damn, if he hasn't impressed in that opportunity. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to uh, to checking out what we get out of this guy as the, uh, as the season moves along here. And yes, I'm absolutely vamping uh, so I can get to the, uh, to the game time read because the Flyers only have like one home game left this month. And if you want to go check it out, I thought tonight they were away. I thought they'd already gone. Like I, I was, I've been sitting here, like I sitting here waiting for the game to get started. I'm like, where the hell's Charlie? It's like looking around like, okay, all right. Game's starting. He's not here. It's kind of odd, a little worried. And then I'm like, oh fuck, they're home. <laughs> like obviously, it did not take me this long to realize they were home tonight, but it's one of their last home games of the month. If you want to catch the last, I think the last one is next week. Uh, they're at Jersey, then they're back home, and then they go on the Disney on Ice trip, I believe. So if you want to see this team at home playing as well as they have now, uh, was this a seven-game point streak I believe they're on? You got to use the Game Time app, baby. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. And I've talked to you about this before, but like I, uh, my wife and I, like we don't really exchange like Christmas gifts. 
Like we'd rather, you know, we just buy shit. When we want something, we just buy it. You know, like, oh yeah, I want, yeah, just go get it. We have a joint checking account. Here's, you know, here's the gift I bought you with our money. Like we just buy stuff when we want it. But experiences are what we're all about. I would much rather like get like some sort of stuff. Nah, I would much rather get tickets, get and go do something. Like have a night, have a night with the Game Time app. Whether you're planning at the last minute or planning well in advance, Game Time's there for you. So snag the tickets. Without the stress of game time, download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Yeah, I'm very excited for like. He's not there yet. I posted the shutout. He's 2-0-1 in his last three. He's been very strong since the start of, of November. But, like, Arison's not there yet. But seeing what, what level he's at, and he's still learning, like, he's still learning the North American game. He's still learning to play in the NHL. He's still a rookie. This was start number 21 in his career tonight, you know? Like, it's, it's very exciting to see where this thing uh, where this thing could potentially go. So I'm very much looking forward to uh, to this. Now, I mentioned the reason he's in tonight is uh, Carter Hart out sick, as was number one defenseman Travis Sanheim. You know, and he's been getting worn down a lot. I can see maybe like, yeah, if there's something going on in the locker room and like the team's already told us they're trying to uh they're trying to manage his minutes like something going on in the locker room he's getting a little worn down they're just trying to get him to the christmas break back his minutes up a little bit now he's coming in like just not feeling well today i get it but that presents opportunity for somebody else and that somebody else tonight was cam york cam york scores the only goal of the night uh carries the puck in down low centers it bounces off a red wing in front it's a little like, oh, did that hit Couturier? No, actually, it never made it there. Uh, so Cam York gets credited with the goal, but he made some other plays tonight. He stood out a ton in the first period. Looked like he definitely, um, definitely made a point to be the aggressive, assertive, uh, offensive, risk-taking. Like the dude that we believe John Tortorella has been asking him to be. Uh, since last year, I think is what we saw out of uh, out of Cam York. It looked like he really made a point to be that in the first period tonight. Had another awesome opportunity. I think it was Alex Lyon still in the game uh, when he made a great save. Otherwise, Cam York might have had the only two goals of this game, which would have been wild in uh, in Sanheim's absence. And this is something I want to talk more about with Charlie because I, I, this is just shit I think of when I'm watching the game, but. We've heard that, you know, Sanheim's been so aggressive all year and like, he's really taken to uh, Tortorella being like, go, attack, you know? And that's kind of left Cam York to be the more defensively responsible one. Maybe he's a little apprehensive to take a risk because he's not quite sure if Sanheim is also going to be taking a risk. And now all of a sudden, if there's a turnover, it's a two on O. We know that the forwards have had you know, there's spots here and there not covering for the defensemen when the defensemen uh, move up in the offensive zone. So you're just a little nervous. Like, I don't want to get blamed and then be the one who's, you know, getting called out in film for uh, not being where I'm supposed to be. So York's been maybe a little apprehensive to 
attack the way John Tortorella wants him to. I wonder, although they've been an effective pair all season, I wonder if the best move is to split up Sanheim and York. Like, you can get then the best of both worlds. Both will be the attacking guy. <laughs> like, both will be, like, they will be able to be more assertive away from each other. Now, the problem with that is, and maybe this is something we see later in the season, we all believe they're going to move out a few defensemen. The problem is, like, all right, so you move him to the second pair, and he's paired with Sean Walker, who's having all the success he's having this year because he's in playing in Tortorella's attack aggressive system. So it's like, he's not, he, he, it's basically like you're solving one problem, but not really. You're just like scratch out Sanheim's name and write in Walker. And it's the same issue. All you could move Walker up to play with Sanheim, but it's like, all right, Sanheim's having all this success on the right side. Are we going to have both of our top pair defensemen playing on their offside, a lefty on the right and a righty on the left? Like that would be weird. Uh, so I don't know if there's like a perfect solution to this. I don't even know if it's actually a problem, but just watching the way the game unfolded tonight, it was like, this is the Cam York we've wanted to see. And it, it's not as if this was the breakout performance of Cam York. I think he's been building up. And tonight, without Travis Sanheim, without that, having to look like, all right, well, what's that dude? What, what are you doing, bro? Uh, okay, I can go. Like, without having to worry about what his partner's doing, obviously, Rasmus Ristolainen, and not Travis Sanheim, you know? Uh, like, I'm... Uh, perhaps there's an opportunity there, but uh, I'm, I'm just... I'm just happy with what I'm seeing out of this team overall, JP. You know, like, they just keep winning games, winning them in different ways. Uh, it was a one... They score one goal tonight, you know? Mm. They win one nothing. They don't blow the lead. Uh, they create a situation where Detroit feels it... It's best to pull the goalie with three minutes left. <laughs> Another thing I want to... It's a one-goal game. It's not like they're down two or, like... Uh, they put teams in positions to not be comfortable. The teams have to play outside of their comfort zone against the Flyers, and that's the best thing I can say about them is on more nights than not, they are able to impose their will, impose their style of play on opponents, and that is a success for John Tortorella. Whether you're like, no, they need to lose and tank, or you're happy with what you're seeing, the fact that they're doing what they're doing is good coaching. It simply is. And I think I think it's a really good sign that this team's doing what it's doing without the high-end talent tonight. They're, they're a little shorthanded. Like, yeah, we all like Samuel Erson, but they don't have their number one goalie. They don't have their, uh, their number one defenseman, and they still go out and beat a Red Wings team that's also beaten up. I don't want to gloss over the fact that, like, JT Comfer's been out. He was in tonight, but they showed the replay of the Dylan Larkin situation. So he's out, and of course, David Perron is suspended from that because he lost his mind and cross-checked someone who had nothing to do with Larkin getting hurt, cross-checked him in the head. Like, so he's suspended six games, and it's like, they're, they have like three or four guys on IR. They have someone suspended. You know, Alex Lyon gets hurt tonight. Their backup goalie's another starter on his night off has to come in, and he was tremendous. Billy Huso, I mean, without Huso, this game is 3-4-0. Uh, he, he was really, really good in relief, and Lyon was excellent before before he got hurt uh gives up the one goal on a deflection off you know friendly fire it's an own goal uh in front of him and uh made big stop on owen tippett i think that was the play he got hurt on was the tippett stop and uh just uh, 
I, another thing I really like about this team is, like we've said so many times when you and I are hosting together, JP, like mm. I look for different signs of how they're different from years past. And this is a great, ah, oh, man, they played really well and they lost 2 nothing game. Like they got goalied and it was two guys. Like two guys got them and they got goalied somehow. They got goalied's uh, and they didn't tonight. Now, they only score one, but it was enough because their team defense and their goaltending stepped up to the point that they were able to put this game away. So just another thing I'm happy to see with this team. Um, I do want to know, like I, I said, like see some really evenly distributed ice time. I want to know if maybe more than just Sandheim and Harder sick and there's some guys kind of just getting through it right now the schedule that they're on, the traveling they had to do. So I'm interested to hear about that. Uh, now let's get to one of my stars of the game. I guess I guess he would have to be star number three. Um, if I was doing it, it would be Erson, York, and Risto. So let's see what Charlie does. I would go Erson, York, and Risto. Torts equals Herb Brooks. You know, I honestly think... I. <laughs> I don't know, because there's a lot of, like, we always focus on, like, listen, Tortorella has this reputation, but actually his players like him. There are a lot of guys who are like, no, Torts is an asshole, you know? Uh, like, Herb Brooks is thought of as this, like, on the Torts-Babcock scale, a lot closer to Tortorella, but, like, a lot of players, if they had dealings with Herb Brooks, they're like, Oh no, he participated in that mental warfare that drives players insane and like the whole Aruzioni thing, like they did it in the movie. Like he brings a guy in off the street just to scare everyone. And then, oh no, I did it to bring the team together. And like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of a dickhead move though, right? You gotta, you <laughs> like, gotta love this city because it's the same thing that we talked about Thursday. You know, we came in the post game show, everybody was ready to buy the Bobby Brink jersey. So, whoever is hot at the moment, everyone's going crazy for. So, right now, John Tortorella, we're putting him on the pedestal. But now, John, listen, he's created something really good here so far in, in the second season with the Flyers. And one thing that I want to allude to is that one thing that like Keith and Danny always brought up was coming into the Wells Fargo Center, that like scare that teams used to have, it was gone. I think now they're gaining back that respect. Like they teams know when you come into the Wells Fargo Center now, or you're going to play against the Flyers now, it's going to be a tough, tough outing. And that's what I'm happy to see is that it is competitive out there. And now they're winning too, which is the crazy part about it. And this was a tough win here tonight. Gotta love it. Man. It was, it was. Now Detroit, like I said, they're banged up. Yeah. Uh, but they started the season out really well. Like they have banked some points, uh, and they they were at least prior to tonight holding a playoff spot. It looks like things have updated, and it looks as if they still have the uh, first wild card spot. So they're still there. A very similar record to the Flyers. Flyers are now 17-10-3. and three. The chat uh, just wing. let us know that the Islanders did lose tonight. So Islanders lost. The yeah, there you go. So the Flyers <laughs> are a point up. Uh, they actually have the second spot in the Metro right now while the Islanders are holding down the third. Uh, and then the Red Wings are there in that first wild card spot. But Detroit really played uh, strong to start the season. And it's... It seems like it's caught up with them like the last four or five games just because they're so shorthanded and like they're working in Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane was at one point one of the best players in hockey, uh, probably still trying to get his legs under him. And there's a lot of question of like what he's really even going to be because that hip resurfacing surgery, um, the history of players coming back from it is not great. Like Nicholas Backstrom in the offseason was like, oh, no, I feel the best I've felt in years. 
And a month into the season, he was like, yeah, probably just going to go home. <laughs> like, so, yeah, see ya. So, like, Patrick Kane working his way in. But the, the Red Wings are a good team. And I like your point about winning at home, JP, because for all the success the Flyers have had this year, so much of it has come on the road. Like, it's it, it just when they do throw in the weird clunker or they have the hard luck game, it just seems so often it was happening at home. And I think that really played into... Now, listen, when I say they're in the bottom five in attendance, I checked this last week. And yes, they were in the bottom five, but that's over 91. They were like 91.4% or something. Like, it's not as if the building's empty. They're selling the vast majority of their tickets. Nine out of every 10 tickets are sold, you know? Uh, but it's, it's the Wells Fargo Center. I remember a time when the Flyers went 22 and 60 and we were named the most intimidating fans in sports or like in the NHL. Um, that has dissipated and gotten us to the point where we are now. The fact that they're starting to have some success at home, the people who are going to games, suddenly it's going to be like, hey, anyone want to go to the game tonight in the group chat? And you're not going to get crickets. Like people might actually want to go and maybe that atmosphere will start coming back. They are uh, eight, six, and one at home uh, this season. So obviously recent success. Uh, they were, despite the good overall record, not great at home to start this season, but that part's starting to come around a little bit too. And I hope it... Um, I hope it translates to arena atmosphere. Russ Joy from Crossing Broad tonight tweeted out, like, it seems as if there's more people in the building than there were Thursday. Mm -hmm. However, it seems quieter. Um, now, the first 40 minutes of that game and the lack of action uh, could quite possibly explain that a little bit, but it's the team is still in the process of earning everyone's trust back. I know I've said... I'm buying in. I'm throwing up my hands saying <laughs> nothing makes sense. I'm along for the ride. I'm on the bandwagon. Uh, but a lot of people still are like, oh, dude, yeah. it's December. They got to earn my trust back still. It's right. not going to take a couple of good weeks. It's more than that. I think it might start to come as they win more, a little bit more at home. So I do, uh, I do appreciate that point. And we've seen in Philadelphia, when you got a good team, we've seen the playoff atmospheres in CBP. We want to bring that back to Wells Fargo Center. No, it's it happens home, like or, that, man. Like, I grew up going to empty Phillies games, and that's one of the <laughs> best atmospheres around now, you know? Like, yeah. listen, I know our reputation of uh, being Eagles fans is second to none. Um, I also remember times in my youth when their games were blacked out because they were not sold out. Mm. I remember there being games where Jeffrey Lurie would like make a deal with like a local dealership or something to like buy all the tickets so, so that crazy. like the Christmas game could be on TV and <laughs> shit like that. Like it go, it comes and goes, but once you get it back, it's absolutely freaking amazing. Um, all right. I, I started like five minutes ago saying we're going to talk about Rasmus Ristolainen. <laughs> he was absolutely burying dudes tonight. Uh, grabbing that guys in scrums. I talked about imposing your will, making teams uncomfortable. Uh, that was playoff Risto tonight. That's the playoff Risto we're looking for. Oh, the Leafs. That's what it ended up being. Leaf seven pens zero. That's insane. The Penguins, <laughs> I, like part of me wants to, I mean, obviously we're all going to go LOL pens, but I have been saying all along. The NHL is going to give the Pittsburgh Penguins the first overall pick. Like, they just got Connor Bedard in Chicago. 
Yeah, they're absolutely going to get Macklin Celebrini in Pittsburgh. Like, there's not a fucking doubt in my mind that this is... <laughs> I, I wish you could bet on the draft lottery right now. I, I like... It, you can't bet on, like, anything for NHL. I was looking for Selkie odds today. I couldn't find them anywhere, uh, like, on any of the sports books. Um, it, all the other awards are up, and, like, the Selkie is the most subjective. Like, who the hell... No, no one at the sports book knows how to make odds for that, so they're just not going to list it. I get it. But it, I was just like, if I could bet on the goddamn draft lottery right now, Penguins win. Like, 100%. I believe that that is going to happen. So, while I... It's always fun to celebrate the demise of, uh, of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I know how this is going to end. I mean, this is a team that went, what was it? Flurry, Malkin, Crosby, Jordan Stahl, four straight years. I believe that was the order. Um, they didn't pick below second four years in a row. Like, is that Charlie? I thought I heard a bloop. No. Oh, okay. Not yet. All right. Still I away. just I thought I heard a noise. He's uh he's still on Torts' dog now. No, he's still he's still on Torts. <laughs> All right, so let's get to Risto while like I started this conversation ten minutes ago. Burying guys. Uh I said on Thursday, I asked Charlie, like, is this team physical enough? Because I don't feel like they are, considering they've made that a big part of their identity. Like keeping Scott Lawton around, bringing in Nick Delorier, doubling down, bringing in Garnett Hathaway. Rasmus Ristolainen, like, they want to be one of the more physical teams. And Charlie was like, this just kind of seems like an issue you have with the league. And absolutely it is. The uh, The league, when you watch it on a night-to-night basis, is just not physical enough for my liking. That said, I understand. Because the game is so fast and these players are so good. If they played every night like it was the playoffs, there would be no playoffs because everyone would be dead. So I understand uh, completely, but when you watch every game, you see it. They're just not, it's just not physical the way it used to be. Um, but Rasmus Ristolainen stepped up in a big way. So maybe he heard me say that on Thursday and started burying guys. Now let's see if Charlie O'Connor can hear me. Let's bring him in. Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. It is Charlie O'Connor down at the Wells Fargo Center. What's going on tonight, Chuck? Hey, Bill. How you doing? Ah, excellent. We have you. This is quite a streak we're on, and quite a streak our Philadelphia Flyers are on. Now second in the Metro, uh, starting to win a little bit at home. Uh, so let's see where we want to start tonight. I guess it's with Samuel Erson getting his third straight start, third career shutout. He is halfway to Carter Hart's shut, career shutout total in just 22 <laughs> starts. Uh, just something I've been... Something I've been thinking about, but since he gave up that tough luck goal in Nashville, he's got a 9.53 save percentage. That's not even including the two saves in the uh, in the shootout. Uh, what are you seeing with uh, with Samuel Erickson as he's gaining confidence? It seems to me. I think to me, what's most noticeable is even just his confidence. It's the confidence that the team has in him. You know, this is a this is a stretch where he's played three straight games because Carter Hart's been sick. And it's a situation where Carter Hart's the clear number one, and the team could easily have lost its way knowing they don't have their clear number one. You know, we remember how poor uh, Sam Harrison was at the start of the season in terms of his first few starts. They could have have lost confidence in Sam Harrison. Instead, really, since the start of November, Harrison's been great. And, you know, tonight I think it was a combination of him and the skaters. I do think that, especially in the first two periods, although it was mostly the defense, 
Um, I think Harrison made the saves he had to make, but I thought a lot of it, you know, aside from maybe the first three or four minutes of the game when the defense on both sides was, was pretty lax, I thought the Flyers did a really good job of keeping them out of the dangerous areas. They only got a hot uh, nine high danger chances the entire game, the, uh, the Red Wings did. Um, but to Harrison's credit, he made all the saves. He, his rebound control was strong. He wasn't making, you know, medium situations into high danger situations, which goalies can do sometimes if their positioning is a little bit off. He just looked calm. He looked in control. And I think the rest of the team fed off it because this was a one-goal game pretty much the entire game. They could have – if they would have felt like Airson couldn't handle it, maybe you would have seen them break out of structure a little bit more. Maybe they would have felt like we need three goals to win this game. We don't just need one. Instead, they adhered to what they were what they were doing. They they kept playing in structure. They they weren't taking unnecessary risks because they trusted that their goalie, if necessary, could could shut out the other team. And that's exactly what it did. No, and I, I really thought like he wasn't tested a ton, but we did have uh like it, they they had 18 shots in the first two periods and then 15 in the third. Detroit really turned it on at the end. Obviously, yeah. they play the last three minutes with the net empty, and I want to get your uh, your take on that in a couple of minutes. But just I really really appreciated what I um uh what I saw out of Erson when the game was breaking down in front of him, chaos near the end, and he was able to keep his composure. And that to me is, like, that's the sign of a guy who's maturing really, like, he could have easily lost his net and, like, all of a sudden been out of position and, boom, tie game and what can you do? You know, he gave up one. It's not a bad game, but he needed to give up zero tonight, and he did. So I was really impressed with that. Someone else I was impressed by is someone we spent a lot of time talking about this season uh, so far, Charlie, Cam York. I thought it was very obvious in the first period without Sanheim uh, as the as the aggressor of the pairing. Sanheim out sick tonight. He made a point to be the guy we believe the coach is begging him to be, to be the aggressive attack defenseman that we've seen Sanheim and Walker be to this point this season. What did you think of Cam York's game uh, without Travis Sanheim? Yeah, I thought he was great. I thought he was the driver of that pair, and that's not to minimize the contributions of Rastafus Wine, who I thought also had a really good game. But that was kind of the angle that I took in my post-game uh, questions, both to, to Cam York, who we interviewed, and John Tortorella. I asked Cam York if you know he had consciously tried to be more aggressive in the apps Travis Sanheim. He said he didn't. He said he just played his game. He was just kind of feeling it. Um, but he obviously was very happy with the way he played. And then I asked John Tortorella the same thing. And Tort said, look, like, I don't know if he did it because Sanheim was out. I don't know what the reason was, but I agree that he looked more aggressive, that, you know, he was taking pucks to the net. He, he made a point that a couple weeks ago there was a play. I think he's talking about not the goal that York scored, but there was another one where he almost scored, where he took the puck all the way down end to end. And Tortorella basically said that a couple weeks ago, York had the opportunity to do something similar. And instead, he just flipped the puck short side and then skated back around the net. And Tortorella said the fact that this time he took it all the way through the crease and tried to beat the goalie back to the far post, you know, that just shows that he's starting to, to feel it a little bit more. And he's starting to, to show the aggressiveness that I think the coaching staff has wanted from him dating back to uh, the last season. But oh, I thought Cam York was fantastic. You know, I think the top pair in this game for the Flyers, the, uh, the York with the line and pairing, I think it kind of carried the Flyers in this game. You know, if, if you go to the, um, like expected goal shares of five on five, 
the, uh, the, the second pair was usually as great. Uh, the Steel or Walker pair was underwater. It was under 50% expected goal share. And so was the, uh, the Stahl, the Mula pair, whereas the, uh, the Ristolainen York pair was, was easily over 65%. So I think when they were on the ice, obviously that they were on the ice for the goal because Camier scored it. But when they were on the ice, that's when the Flyers best controlled play. And given the fact that they were getting the most minutes, it added up to overall solid territorial play and a one nothing win. Now, uh, this is something I'm thinking about. Maybe it wasn't a conscious decision on Cam York's part. Like, Travis is out tonight. Now I can really go for it. But there might be just something to, like, I don't have to, like, you kind of know where Ristolainen's going to be a little bit more than Travis Sanheim, and that's like Sanheim by design. That's what they're asking him to do. Yeah. Without the fear of, without the fear of, like, I'm not sure if I should take a risk because I know he's going to take a risk. We got a another level of Cam York, I thought, tonight. Do you think maybe this... York Risto pair is worth sticking with uh, just to see if we can maybe get like aggressive Sanheim on the top pair and aggressive York on the second pair. Is that something you think maybe they're interested in? I know obviously it creates like the, the Walker situation and the joke we've done like, Oh, is our top pair going to be two offside defensemen? Like I realize it might create a logistical issue, but do you think it's a consideration? I mean, I'm sure they'll consider it because this pair was really good tonight, but I do think that there's an element here of, who plays with Sandheim? You know, I, I guess either you move Walker up, and then if you want to keep, as you said, if you want to keep Sandheim on the right, you'd have to have both players playing their offsides, which would be seemingly ridiculous. Um, or you would move Sealer up, but in that case, then Sean Walker, who's been great all year, is suddenly on your third pair. And I don't think they want to go that route. So I don't think it's ultimately going to be something they will do once Travis Sandheim is, uh, is feeling better, uh, but not because they're disappointed with the way the pair played. I think it's just because of the reality of the way the uh, the roster is uh, is shaped. But but speaking to that York with the line and pair, I thought York said something interesting after the game about the duo, because this is the first time they've played together this season, obviously, because York has almost exclusively been with Travis Sandheim on the top pair. They did play together a bit last season. And York said the one thing about Ristolainen that is – uh, helpful is that he's just a very predictable player that you know where he's going to be you know what he does you know who he is and you know Sanheim I think and I don't think that's a shot at Travis Sanheim I think honestly one of the best parts of Travis Sanheim's game this year has been his unpredictability you know it's been the fact that he makes plays Rasmus Ristolainen and, and especially the defenseman that John Tortorella and Bradshaw have turned him into over the last year and a half it's not a guy who who makes plays he just does his job. He, he's very much settled in to this defensive defenseman role, which, I mean, while it's probably not worth $5.1 million a year, it's certainly better than what he was in Buffalo, which was an active drag on the team's results. So, you know, he, he might be overpaid, but he's clearly a quality player in this role. And in doing that, he's turned himself into a guy who can be a good partner for, for a Cam York because Cam York can say, you know, Risto's got the, he's got the D zone down. He's got the puck battles down. He's going to be physical. He's going to make the, the opposing forwards look over their shoulder a little bit, but I can make the plays and I don't need to worry about covering for him most of the time because he's just going to do his Risto things. And I know exactly what that is. And then I can build off of that myself. Well, I am, uh, I'll, we'll get your, um, We'll get your three stars at the at the end of the segment, Charlie. But since we're talking about Rasmus Ristolainen, he would make my list. Uh, just just 
putting that out there because on Thursday I asked you, well, I basically said I just don't think this team is physical enough. Like with certain players that they've made a point to bring in or keep around, I think they want physicality to be a bit more of their identity than league average. I realize my issue is just with the way the game is played. Yes, I know. Um, (laughs) But uh, Rasmus Ristolainen must have heard me, bud, because he was fucking burying guys tonight. I mean, just dropping the hammer everywhere he could, pulling people out by their jerseys and scrums, uh, putting his shoulder into guys. I was very happy with the game he played, and I just... it makes me kind of just want to see more of this pair. Now, again, I realize it could create logistical issues, but is this was this a breakout game for Risto, or maybe just he's finally really starting to find his game after missing the first month? What did you think of Risto tonight and like where he's going? I mean, I thought he was really good tonight, but I think he's been pretty good all year. I really think that, you know, since maybe the first two months of last season like the first two months of last season i thought he was he missed the first couple games came in and was horrendous and john tortorella said that 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 he thought bristolina was a total mess uh, when he came in here and watched him play his first few games and then they worked on and they worked on basically trying to coach the bad habits out of his game and and i think they've so far it looks like because my big thing was last year he improved but I needed to see him keep it up. I needed to see him not regress back into those bad habits because, you know, yes, he had a good year last year. And I wrote extensively about the fact that he had a good year last year. And I was very impressed that, you know, he turned from a defensive liability through the entirety of his career into a legitimately really good defensive defensive by the numbers last season. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, seven, eight seasons is a much larger sample than one season. And he was going to have to do it another year to prove to me that he'd actually made a sustainable change to his game and to his results. Well, so far this year, he looks like the same guy from December on through the end of the year last season. He just looks like this is who he is now. And he is basically, I think I made this comparison last season. He is basically bigger, stronger in his prime, Justin Braun. Like that's who he is. And Justin Braun was a number four defenseman in his prime for a really good San Jose Sharks team. And I think this Ristolainen can be that. Is that guy worth $5.1 million a year? Probably not, unless you're giving, you know, another like a million dollar boost for the intangible physical value of having that intimidation factor and the the looking over your shoulder thing about being tough to play against. And hey, maybe the hockey men aren't wrong. Maybe that is worth an extra mil on a contract. But at the very least, it's not a contract you look at and you say, oh, my God, this guy actively makes the team worse when he's on the ice and we're paying him five million dollars a year to make the team actively worse. He's not that guy anymore. He, he makes the team better, at, especially defensively, when he's out there. And credit to him. He, he said after the game today, and it was a really good quote, actually, I tweeted it out. He said that he wishes he had John Tortorella as his coach when he was 18 years old because he just feels like Tortorella has, has helped him take major strides in his game and his style of play. And I think he's 100% right. I think this is, you know, this is a new Rasmus Ristolainen. Tonight, I think, just, just proved that, that last year was no fluke, that this is who he is now. Uh, I guess hearing this, like it, we're having so much like kumbaya going on right now. Like Cam Atkinson has the quotes about the locker room yesterday. Uh, so many people are, you know, really taking their game to another level under John Tortorella's coaching. 
I know we get a lot of like, oh, you know, the team sticking together. Like we hear that about every team all the time. Um, and I always think of it the way we used to talk about captains. Well, who's a good captain? The captains of winning teams. Who's a bad <laughs> captain? The captains of bad teams. Like, yeah, uh, they're winning right now. So the vibes are good. But you've been around this team a lot over the last few years. Have we seen the ebbs and flows, the roller coaster ride that has been Flyers hockey? Are the vibes noticeably different from your perspective? I mean, yeah, they're they're very clearly better. I definitely get the sense that the the veterans that are still here, um, you know, guys like Sean Couturier, guys like Cam Atkinson, guys like Mark Stahl, you know, I'll be doing an interview um, that isn't even related to those guys. Um, I, you know, I'll be doing an interview with Joel Farabee. I'll be doing an interview, you know, talking to Igor Zamola, and they'll bring up one of those guys that, you know, one of them, you know, made a point to to give them advice or to say something to them at a key time that, that made them feel better about their game or help them turn things around. So in that sense, it does seem like they, they kept and or brought in the right veterans to help the young players through their inevitable struggles. Um, is this, is this unique in the sense that the team has never been this close? Like, no, I, I don't think that's true. Like they're definitely happier than they were the last couple of years, but I do think that a lot of people forget because look, people on, on social media are excited about the team. They have every right to be. They're winning a lot of games. They're doing well. They're exceeding expectations. But like 2019, 2020 wasn't that long ago. And that team, I mean, I covered that team. That was three, four years ago. And that team, top to bottom, they swore up and down that this is the closest team I've ever been on. The vibes are so great. We have so much fun. Everybody's so close. And I don't think they were lying. I think that team was very close. And you saw it in the results. They played really well. I just caution people from thinking that, like, just because the vibes are good now, that they will stay good forever. Because as we saw with that team, I mean, granted, and this messed with a lot of people's vibes, post-pandemic, they were never the same they came back and it seemed like they were all still friends for the most part. You know, maybe there were a couple exceptions here and there, but those vibes did not translate to good hockey. In fact, they translated to God awful hockey. So I do agree. The vibes are good. I do agree that this team is playing for each other, that they're close, that the guys are looking out for each other and that's great, but I'm not necessarily convinced that that is, you know, going to solve everything and that is going to last forever. No, and yeah, I mean, we've uh, I, someone actually brought this up on Twitter today and like tagged me because, or maybe it was yesterday, but like I keep remembering hearing that the locker room, like the team was tight and everyone's friends. And I was like, well, maybe they fucking shouldn't be because like, why isn't everyone mad at each other? Like, why aren't Drew and Voracek like, hey, you assholes, you want to help us out over here? Like, you know, Sean Couturier is, oh, yeah, well, I do everything. If someone else could do something, that would be really nice. Like, maybe they shouldn't have been so tight. Maybe there should have been a little bit. But things are going well right now. Uh, at the beginning of that answer, you mentioned Joel Farabee. We've made a lot of Joel Farabee's uh, potential power play time and he was back out there tonight i think he got a minute 45 total of power play time tonight so that's a lot more than zero uh he was out there with the second unit but i want to go back to tortorella's comments uh from the other nights we don't have a regular show until like i don't know when charlie uh so <laughs> I, i'm just gonna ask you about this uh tortorella saying like 
you know, he just keeps his mouth shut and he plays and uh, I'm sure he does want more ice time, but basically like he's a professional and he's doing what I'm asking him to do. Now, knowing what we know about Tortorella and what we've heard about him, is is he basically telling Farabee to challenge him? Like, I, I don't want to say he wants him to demand, but if Joel were to like go into there and do whatever the tear down from demand is of more ice time, more opportunity, do you think Tortorella would be more interested in giving it to him? Like maybe he's trying to break that, like the the cool, calm demeanor guys a little bit. No, I don't think so. I, I think there's okay. probably elements to Farabee's game that Torts still is holding a little bit of a grudge against from last year. I wouldn't be shocked. I'm actually writing a piece on Joel Farabee. I will probably look to finish it when I get home, when I'm done this podcast, uh, when I get home tonight. So look for that on Sunday. Um, I, look, I don't know why Joel Farabee isn't getting more ice time. I was happy to see him on the power play. That said, I don't necessarily think being on the power play is going to solve anything because this power play never scores any, like, ever. So, cool, he'll get more minutes, but are they even worthwhile minutes? Like, I personally, my thing with Joel Farabee is, like, I don't know why he's getting fewer minutes than Scott Lawton and Cam Atkinson when he's very clearly better than both of them. Like, those are the guys I'm looking at, and I'm saying to myself, like, maybe flip those guys move and, and granted Scott Lawton was on the fourth line tonight. So clearly they see what we're saying, but those are more the things I'm looking for. Yeah. Joel Farabee should be on the power play because Scott Lawton right now should not be on the power play, but I want to see them lean on Joel Farabee even more at five on five, because honestly, like aside from Sean Couturier, who has been their best five on five player, unsurprisingly, he's been their best five on five player for probably over a decade. Um, I think Joel Farabee has a strong case to be considered their second best five on five player right now. And the fact that he is getting something closer to third line minutes at the moment is a little concerning. Um, I just have a feeling that, you know, Torch still has some doubts on Farabee. He likes him but he he wants to see some things and maybe he's a little harder on someone like Joel Farabee than he is on say someone like Tyson Forrester. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's what's driving it, but the idea of that he needs to go into the room and demand ice time. I don't think Torts would respond super well to that. I do know that I talked to Joel Farabee on Friday for this piece I'm working on. And I talked to Tortorella about it, about the benching when he was benched two shifts into the game against the devils. I don't, I think that was two weeks ago at this point um, that there have been times in the past where Joel Farabee got annoyed with his treatment from John Tortorella, and he went into the room and talked to John Tortorella about it and confronted Tortorella. Tortorella and Farabee both said that this was not a situation where Farabee went and talked to Tortorella because Tortorella theorized Joel knew exactly why he got benched. It wasn't like we needed to talk about it. It was clear. Torch was like, he probably disagreed with me that, that I was going to bench him for the rest of the game. But he knew why I did it, and he understood it. He didn't agree with the punishment, but he knew that there was going to be some sort of punishment for that mistake. So I don't think this is a situation where Torts is waiting for Farabee to basically scream in his face. I think they've done that before, at least reading between the lines. It seems like they've had those those types of confrontations in the past. And I think, if anything, Torts was almost impressed that Farabee didn't in this situation because it showed Torts that Farabee understood that like he was in the wrong in this one and you know we're going to turn the page as quickly as possible because he messed up he got punished and now we're just going to act like it didn't happen 
I, I just want to get your thoughts on with three minutes remaining in a one goal game, Detroit deciding, you know what, now is the time to pull the goaltender. They only needed one, but they took the big risk. Just what did you think of that as a coaching decision? I mean, was it three minutes left in the game? Because I don't know how we were able to tell in an arena where the Jumbotron and none of the clocks were working. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe I understand a little bit better why the Sixers are looking for a new arena. Just saying. That was <laughs> that was great... pathetic. It, it was it was pathetic and embarrassing, honestly. And like, I'm not I'm not saying this to like eviscerate Comcast, but like, you spend all this money on arena, get your freaking Jumbotron to work. Sorry. That's. At... That was a lot of people online were very confused as to why they were hearing Lou Nolan every minute. I know at one point I was like putting something in the outline or typing a tweet and I heard Lou. I was like, no fucking way. The period just what? No. And I was, oh, no, he's not saying one minute left. He's just saying there's like another minute has gone by basically. But I just thought that like to pull the goalie that early, it's an odd decision in a one goal game. But it was 57 minutes without a goal. It's not like it was a one-goal 5-4 game. Like, well, we'll probably get another one, you know? Like, they hadn't scored at all. And the Flyers are so good defensively, so good man down, that teams need to take risks. And we talked earlier uh, earlier this week about how the Flyers force you to play their game and the Flyers make you uncomfortable. I thought this was another example of that tonight, just like, Three minutes left. I don't know. Like, I guess, I guess we have to go for it now because, like, I, whatever. Um, last one, Charlie. It is now time for Charlie O'Connor's three stars of the game. So let us get to star number three. Yeah, I don't think you're going to be surprised with any of these because I think these were pretty straightforward three stars. Uh, the third star, I would say, Rasmus Ristolainen. I thought he was really, really good in this game. Um, I thought, as I said, Earlier, that top pair really led the way. They were the, the driving force, I think, behind this victory in terms of the skaters. So, Ristolainen, while I think York was the better of the two on the whole, he obviously scored the game-winning goal, Ristolainen was an integral part of why that duo succeeded. He deserves a third star as a result. By that same token, number two star, Cam York. Scored the only goal of the game. Definitely you know, took off the Travis Sanheim mantle in this one, I believe. I didn't check... Let me take a quick look. I think he led the team a nice time. Yeah, 23-13. Risto was 23-07. So he beat him by six seconds. So there you go. Cam York by six seconds. Had the most ice time on the team. So I will definitely give him second star. Great game by Cam York. And then star number one, it's the goalie who got the shutout. Sam Harrison. I I thought especially in the third period, he was stellar. Um, they put a lot of pressure on him in those final three minutes after the goalie was pulled. The Flyers just could not get themselves to clear so many failed clears over that stretch and Harrison just stood tall and, and made the saves They had a couple really big saves during that stretch right around the net. And, um, you know, he was, he's come up big all week, to be honest. I know he gave up the, um, tied a week goal in Nashville, but they got a point out of that game. He kept them in it. And then these last two games, I thought he's played really well. You know, they have, they clearly have a quality backup to step in. Uh, if and when Carter Hart is dealing with something, he's obviously dealing with this illness that he thinks he's got a better handle on, but, Three games this week that, that Harrison had to step in and basically be the uh, be the starter, and he did a great job. Outstanding. Those are Charlie O'Connor's three stars, and I know I said finally, but the sick thing um, is there just something going through the locker room? Like they traveled a bunch, obviously time of year, weird weather. Like I'm looking at very evenly uh, distributed ice time tonight, and I'm thinking maybe it's like 
this team's kind of just worn down right now. Do you get that vibe? Yeah, I mean, I'm worn down, and I've just been covering the team. So, yeah, I, there's definitely something going through the locker room. Ryan Paling was sick. Saying I'm sick. I think there are quite a few other guys who are, who are battling something. It's been a rough schedule. The, the, the trip was tough. Um, they really haven't gotten, like, it's not like they got a couple days when they got back to uh, to settle back in. It was day off, and then we're playing. Like, that was it. And I mean, it's been exhausting for me as well. I got pretty big bags over my eyes. I just want to sleep tomorrow. But, um, but yeah, I, I, the hard thing is a little bit different because I, I did not go to morning skate today. I, I took the option. I was absolutely drained and exhausted, so I couldn't make it. Um, but apparently Hart told the people who were there that um, this is something beyond just the cold. Um, it apparently is some type of illness that he officially got diagnosed with this week. Uh, while his dad um, was there um, on the, the dad's trip, because the dad's trip was the Nashville trip, and then also they came back to Philly for the, the Thursday game, um, so they were there for that one. And uh, Hart thinks he's got a better handle on it now. He thinks it's not going to recur because it seems like these recurring illnesses he's had this year have been the result of this underlying issue that they've now diagnosed and now they can work on. So I do think that there is something going through the team. I mean, I don't feel 100%. I probably have a bit of it. Um, but the hard thing, I suspect, is, is something separate from that. All right, Charlie, you go get your rest. You take some vitamins. You do what you got to do because um, I'm, not, I'm not scratching you. You know, like we're still going <laughs> to call your number if you're not feeling well. So we need you to take care of yourself on your off days. I will talk to you Monday, my friend. All right, see you, Bill. Take it easy, Charlie. That was Charlie O'Connor, Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. And uh, that little segment there, well, it was brought to you by our friends over at Rocket Money. Uh, I, I told you this. Uh, I told you this little anecdote a couple of games ago, but it's. I, I think it's very relatable for a lot of people, especially you know Charlie was just talking. Uh, he mentioned the 2019-20 Flyers team and the. Uh, like how the pandemic kind of tore them apart. I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of people like during that time signed up for literally every streaming service, you know? Uh, and we, I still have a bunch of them, my wife and I, well, it was like recently we realized we've been double spending on Apple TV. Both of us had an account. Like we both have iPhones. Uh, it was probably something one of us wanted to watch at some point when the other wasn't home, just signed up, didn't think the other had it. And then bang, you know, we're, we're getting charged double. And I realize it's just a couple of bucks, but a couple of bucks over however long stretches out, and it really, really adds up. And that's where Rocket Money comes in. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I have never... I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in, in canceled subscriptions. 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Think about that. That's how quickly it can add up. I'm just saying, you don't want to be spending half a billion on subscriptions. Neither did anyone who canceled all these. Rocket Money would be for you. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions. 
by going to rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. That's rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. Rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. I'm actually starting to dig the Rocket Money read uh, with the uh, over and over uh, Reading Terminal. Yes, we will uh, we'll discuss that in a minute. I did write that down, so I did not forget. Uh, interesting stuff there from Charlie, though. Uh, I, like I said, I think I think that pulling the goalie three minutes early thing is, I mean, it's a bold decision, and coaches, we know since Patrick Waugh, coaches do it at different times now. It's not always just a minute, minute 20, minute 40. Like, I mean, Waugh would do it. Like, he just, I, I think he was just fucking around half the time. But, like, <laughs> like coaches have started to do it at different times. But in a one-goal game, I actually thought that was a decent coaching decision uh, because, like, if it's a shootout, like, yeah, you know, it's 5-4, it's back and forth, chances nonstop. All right, in a minute 40, you might get a goal. Like, you, and you might get one before the opportunity to pull your goalie. But when you've gone 57 minutes and haven't scored, it's like, uh, what, are we going to get one in the last three? I guess it's possible, but probably not. So let's just do it now. Fuck it. Uh, and I actually kind of appreciated that, and I really do think it speaks to what this Flyers team has been able to accomplish this year, their D-zone structure, the way they limit high-danger chances, the goaltending they're getting, and how good they are man down. Like, yes, six-on-five is different from five-on-four, but it's essentially a penalty kill. Uh, and Flyers, real, real good on the PK. So I thought that was... Um, I thought that was a pretty interesting move there. Like, bold move by the coach uh, of Detroit, but spoke mostly to me to, uh, to what the Flyers have been doing for the most part. Now I have to tell you about what we're doing this week. That's right. It's Tuesday at the Reading Terminal Market. It's December 19th. Uh, we're, all of our shows will be live that way, as well as our national NFL show, all coming to you live from the Reading Terminal Market. It's going to be one of our first uh, real opportunities to get out in the community, do the remote shows, be out amongst the people. And I got to tell you, I uh, like my job when I was working at one of the local radio, you all know where I worked. Um, <laughs> one of the things I did there was set up the remote uh, shows, the shows from locations outside the studio. That was one of the things I did. Got to go to a lot of really cool places. Reading Terminal Market's way up there and like stuff I'm really looking forward to doing or having done. Like, I cannot wait to eat a Denix roast pork sandwich. I can't wait to try so many spot. different things. Oh, it's the best. It's, it's the good. freaking best. Uh, um, I cannot wait to do that. Like, we're, we are on, Charlie and I are on at one o'clock on, uh, on Tuesday. That's when you can come down. If you want to see PHLY Flyers, you want to see me and Charlie live, we're on at one on Tuesday from Reading Terminal Market. But the festivities begin at 10. They run through the day. So anytime you get a lunch break, you get the chance. I know some people are out of school with the holidays. You want to come see us? Come check us out on Tuesday at Reading Terminal. It's going to be a really, really good time. Uh, everything we've done so far at PHLY has been a success in terms of getting out in the community, meeting people, having a good time, spreading the brand awareness, and dog, delicious food. Eat some food. Uh, acres man. and acres of delicious <laughs> food. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this one. K-Rod if, gave us his order right here. Oh, yeah. Roast pork, What's broccoli, your order, Rob, Dennis? little sharp, little sharp probe. I need some long hot, too, but yeah, Ooh. absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I'm just... 
I'm pumped for this one. I was like on their website the other night. I'm like, I haven't been, to, I haven't been in like a couple of years. I don't think I've been since like 2020. So I'm, I'm looking forward to checking it out. If you want to come check us out, me and Charlie are on at one. Everything starts at 10 a.m. in terms of all the shows we're going to be doing. So make sure you come out and join us. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. If you can't find me, just like go to the next line. I bet you I'm standing there. It's like, where's Bill? We're on in five. I'm like, yeah, but like. I'm fifth in line, so can Charlie start and I'll just join? You know, like I start the post games without him. Why can't he start the regular show while I'm eating sandwich? All right. Uh, I think that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Search PHL Y Flyers wherever there are podcasts. Obviously, right here on the YouTube page. Never miss a live show. Set your alerts so you just get the get the notification uh, when we when we go live. And uh, what else? Oh, Twitter, at P-H-L-Y underscore Flyers. Make sure you're following us there. I tweet some funny things now and then. Uh, but it, all of our announcements, links, everything, it's all up there. So make sure you're following As us on Bill Twitter. As Bill would say, do the millennial things, guys. Yeah, you, you know, Twitter, <laughs> podcast, just like all the shit when you say it to your parents. They're like, what are you talking about? Uh, anyway, right, that'll do it for me. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie O'Connor. Have a great weekend, Philly.